Great. Well, isn't it good to be a family together and to have some passion and energy in the church today? And uh, last week, I kind of preached a bit on all in. And we talked about how to be in partnership together, there is always God's part. God adds to the church, and then there's our part. We get devoted to the church. We also notice the importance of process that actually when we start the journey, there's a whole life of learning and being together. And of course, primarily, we're not here today for ourselves because we will all have our likes and dislikes. We like different styles, different ways of doing things, but primarily, we're here for God and for his glory. And so today, I'm going to talk about one of our partnership uh, movement forward. Uh, issues, which is to do with the gathering, and particularly in the context, of course, of our structures, Sunday, I believe, is very, very important. And so I want to handle this very sensitively because we're living in days when all kinds of things compete for a Sunday in a way that they didn't when I first started the journey. In fact, there was no competition on a Sunday to church because all the shops were closed. There was nothing much to do, very little entertainment. So for me, going along to the Methodist chapel was about the best we could handle. And, uh, and so the, the culture of the day on a Sunday was very much to do with the Christian culture of history. And so church and chapel were often well attended and before my time, in the days of my uh, father and grandfather, both of them were in ministry. Of course, church was a part of uh, every Sunday. Church was very, very important. Today, it's not quite like that. And there are many things, different cultures, that are, in a, in a way, fighting for the attention of families, particularly children. And I want to handle this quite carefully because it's not easy today, parenting, uh, or being grandparents, to try and guide the family through the complexities of so much choice. And we in Lincoln are quite fortunate and blessed because we can have three services on a Sunday, which means that there are things that we can do on, on a Sunday. I would say that um, in my history in church, Sunday, if I'm really, really honest as a teenager, I got pretty bored. Um, and it was all to do with um, waiting. It was to do with meetings. You know, I often had to go to different meetings on a Sunday, and if you made it through the, the Sunday and the meetings, you got to someone's house uh, with food, which was always the highlight of the day. But today, uh, things have shifted, things have changed, and there are all kinds of things that are fighting for our attention and for our time. But what I would like to do today is to take us to the Word of God and uh, begin to learn together and refresh our thinking again about the importance of gathering. In fact, when we talk about Sundays and gathering, we go back a couple of thousand years. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, the early church, they began to pick up this first day of the week and they would say, we want the first day of the week to be given to God, to worship, and there would be the gathering of the early believers. And also, of course, and this is true in our context as well, uh, the gathering on a Sunday is just part of what we do. We join together in small groups and 
next week we're going to be thinking about the importance of that as well. Small groups, relational connection, all of those things are vital if we are to uh, live our lives well as a Christian community. And there is a, a big push these days for, in all kinds of levels, kind of an independent way of thinking, where very often uh, the whole idea of communities has been broken down and family life sometimes broken down. So many people don't know the names of their neighbors in a way that perhaps 20, 30 years ago they would. And so I'd like to, as sensitively as I can, recognizing the complexities of our lives, to bring us back to the Bible. And interestingly, on this particular issue, recognizing you know, my history and my experience, I asked one of our younger pastors to put this talk together, which I'm doing today. And um, so Jonas Isles, a younger pastor from Grantham, who's a really good Bible teacher, but younger than me, which means that he has, he's in that time today of pastoring, you know, children coming through uh, into teenage years uh, with some of those complexities. And I said, it'd be really helpful if I can get your perspective today from the Word of God so that I'm not filtering it through the way that I've perceived it historically because things have changed. For instance, um, perhaps in this church 20 years ago, if you had said, what is a committed member or partner, uh, people would have said, well, you know, the bottom line is people would be there twice on a Sunday and, and they'd have two, three weeks off for holidays in the year. And that was kind of commitment. These days, if you look across the whole spectrum of church life and denominations and you ask the question, what is commitment today in terms of the gathered group, uh, very often that would be uh, seen as perhaps once a month or once every five, six weeks. And therefore, um, our gathering is under threat. And I therefore just want to give you, I hope, a, a good talk this morning to inspire us from God's word to be able to, on one hand, bring our children through church with a sense of excitement and joy, not being robbed uh, with regard to all the other things that kids can do and can't do, because again, if I'm honest about my history, um, it was more to do with rules and regulations and what you couldn't do than what you could do. And we don't want that. We want our children to be happy. We want them to be integrated in school life. We want them to be able to do all the things that they want to do. And sometimes Sundays is, is often the time uh, I used to play, as you know, from last week, I was the uh, captain of our uh, football team. I just wanted to re-emphasize that. But we used to play on a Saturday, and therefore it was never a challenge. But today, of course, uh, lots of the kids have Sunday football and sports and so on. And so there are different cultures that are competing for church life, and they're competing for, the, for our children's lives. And um, I understand something of that. Uh, battle. So let's go into this. We are thinking about all in, being partners so that we're not just um, attenders. Actually, today we're calling this We Are Attenders, but uh, we all know it's not just about meetings, is it? Attenders, though, attending on a Sunday for me, I think, is very important because it gives us an opportunity for the whole family to be together. And predominantly, of course, as I said right at the beginning, it's not uh, about us, but it's about coming together to worship the living God 
And in the busyness of our lives and our worlds and our workplace situations, at the first, on the first day of the week to say, in some way, we're going to set this aside. I was brought up on the idea that this is the Sabbath and you must keep the Sabbath. And then through the years, it's been challenged the Sunday. And so uh, some years ago, there was a campaign, Make Sunday Special, uh, in order to try and encourage the church not to lose something of its heritage of the gathered people of God. So that's what I'm going to grapple with. And I want you to stay with me on this because uh, some of the things that I'm going to be sharing, uh, you can look at from different ways. And part of a, a preaching or teaching uh, situation on, on a Sunday morning isn't, this is the, the truth on everything. I'm going to be handling, hopefully, the word uh, today in a way that people can access but there may be different ways of viewing some of the things that I share, and I understand that. So our partner points, um, today we're looking at Sunday services particularly. Next week we'll look at connect groups. Then we'll look at the whole area of giving, because if you're in partnership and there's lots to do and programs and things, we want to reach this city and this region with the good news of Jesus, that needs resourcing. So our giving becomes an important part of partnership. And then this big thing that Paul alluded to, which is serving. We want more and more people serving, not just meetings and serving uh, the programs of the church, but we want to serve our community. And we want to be servant-hearted as we go into our, our workplace situations. And then we're going to conclude the partnership uh, series with, with some uh, teaching on prayer because we want to be a praying community. Uh, we want this gathered uh, people of God to be able to pray for one another, to pray for the burdens of people, to pray for healing on a regular basis, but also to pray for our city, for our region, and we want to be good news people. And incidentally, uh, this afternoon, I and a number of others are going to be in Gainsborough to start this whole thing afresh in Gainsborough, which is pretty exciting, isn't it? And we're thankful to God. So, and John and Judy are, are going to find out what commitment means because they're here this morning and they're in Gainsborough this afternoon. And uh, God bless you in the years that you're ahead. So let me read some words of scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, just going to give you two or three verses that I want to home in on today. I want us to look at verses 23 to 25 of Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 23, and the writer is writing to Hebrew Christians. Uh, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Let's just think for a minute or two about the context that the writer is writing into. Some of the people of the day were claiming to be Christians, but they'd given up on certain principles that they began with. They started to pull back from the gathered local church. And the Bible says here they were neglecting to meet together, and actually it had become 
the habit of some. Now, this is the important bit that I want to begin with. This wasn't people that from time to time had to do other things on a, on, on a Sunday or when the, the church gathered. This was people that had started a downward movement of neglecting things that had been important. How many of us know that you don't get a habit overnight? A habit takes time to, to form. And the writer is realizing that these Christians who started passionate about the faith and passionate about being together, they were becoming uh, a people who neglected certain important things. And one of those things was they were neglecting the gathering together. And it had become a habit. And of course, for non-attendance to become a habit, it doesn't just happen. It happens over a period of time. Now, I do feel in some ways qualified to talk a bit about this because of the length of time I've been in pastoring because what you actually see is that when people come to faith, you know how it feels. The moment you receive Jesus, the lights go on. You know, I want to be in the house of God every day. I want Africa to be saved. I want this, I want that. And, and there's passion and put me on a platform and I'll give you a testimony. And uh, as a pastor, and I never want to get cynical with this, but inwardly you're saying, hmm, we'll watch this for a while. So the months pass. The person's not quite as passionate. They were front row, hands up. And they, then you notice they drift to the sides. And uh, people that are on the sides, this is not a problem because if you've got sides, you've got to fill them, right? And if we start saying, if we start saying, if you go to the back of the balcony, you're on your way out. I don't want that to come either because we need the whole of this church filled. I'm not talking about the position of where people are seated. I'm talking about the position of a heart that shifts from a central place where God is so important and then the drift starts. And when the drift starts, your feet follow, don't they? And you begin to form habits. And this is what... The Bible is talking about here. You don't cultivate a habit overnight. But when we live unintentionally, we can begin to drift. And of course, many things compete for our time. We've talked about that a little bit. And um, I believe that, I just want to say, if you want a habit, why not get a good habit of regular attendance at church? You know, it's such a short time to be together, isn't it? And to be able to follow that great tradition that goes right back to the days of Jesus to say, in some way, because of the way we operate, let's make Sunday special. Let's make sure at the beginning of the week we focus on the big things of life, that we focus on God's love for us. And I, I just have to say, I so enjoyed, okay, we only sang four songs perhaps today, but I so enjoyed being in the atmosphere of being able to declare some of the great truths of Scripture. And I feel it inwardly, don't you? Don't you sometimes feel when you're going through certain issues, it's great to be able to know there is another in the fire, that what you're going through, Jesus is with you every day. And sometimes you need to rehearse the great things of the faith on a regular basis, and to get into the habit of that, into the habit of that. 
Again, what I share does not make me a great person, but for years when I was in, involved in evangelism, we'd get back on a Sunday morning, two, three o'clock in the morning after traveling. I would always be in church, not because I was a great person, but simply it was a habit that was a good thing, and we as a family said, we're going to be in the house of the Lord. Now, it'd be untrue to say we never missed Sundays. Of course we didn't. You know, sometimes, um, if I'm really honest, uh, there was a bit of law in there where I've got to go to church. And, um, and sometimes going to church, I had to push myself. But what I'm trying to suggest is you can get a habit through unintentional drift or you can get a habit, there's a good habit, by intentionally saying, I might not always get a lot out of stuff, but I'm here for God, and I'm here for my brothers and sisters. So that's what we're talking about today. And it is possible that some of the older ones here know what I'm talking about, would tend, if we're not careful, to, to sort of major on meetings. You know, we've heard of death by chocolate. I was brought up on death by meetings. I'm in so many meetings. So we're not talking about just meetings. We're talking about a community. Walks together, loves one another, that, uh, you know, isn't always in church buildings. That would be a terrible thing. And also, we are wanting to be able to be a part of the community. We don't, we're not a cult, ladies and gentlemen, where we're in a secret place, all, you know, with special signs and things. No, we want to be immersed in the community where we live. We want to be ordinary good people. We don't want to be perceived as weird and strange, though we've got to be different, guys. And so here's the thing. Um, some of you um, were at one event, and David and Philippa Stroud were talking about culture. And it's very interesting, this, because the battle is often for the culture that, we, that is the strongest in our lives, and particularly on a Sunday. And uh, I heard them recently talk about their daughter. And their daughter one day um, was invited by a friend to go to Lords for a cricket match. And she really likes cricket. And of course, David and Philippa are thinking, well, great thing to do on a Sunday, n not a problem. You're not going to Lords every week. But the interesting thing was this. She said to her friend, yes, I'll come, but I can only come for this period of the day because I need to be in church at this time. Now, it kind of surprised her parents because they thought, you know, it's just a one-off or whatever, but this is what she said. She said, I've made the decision for church, and this, this week, the challenge might be Lord's Cricket Match. But next week, it be this. The week after, it could be, I, you know, I've got to go to family and friends. And the, the challenge was, and so she had made, through all of those things, a simple decision, whenever I can, I'm going to be in church. And I, I felt the tension of that somehow. And as a younger woman, uh, I thought, good on you. To be able to say... You know, there are things that are important in my life, and I'm going to stick to some of those things. You know, this culture issue, I think, is, is quite important. Um, cultures are being set today, and Sunday culture can very much be um, pictured as a kind of a leisure culture. Um, you know, and sports are important, aren't they, for kids, and 
meeting with relatives, meeting with friends and so on. But Rick Warren makes this comment. He says, history shows us that when churches accommodate culture, it weakens the church. And I think we don't want to accommodate stuff. We want to recognize. And folks, it is difficult when you know that your children are in the football team and they need to play. And I'm not here to say you've got to be in church every week. But what I am saying, think about the priorities that you're going to be teaching your children and begin to organize around some of the things that can be done, especially when we've got more than one service. Another speaker from... Um, our weekend was a man called Rob Parsons, great, great guy. If you want to know about handling children, grandchildren, get, get his books. He's got a great book called Getting Your Kids Through Church Without Them Ending Up Hating God. It's a great title for, for uh, a book. But he handles in a very practical way some of the things that we're talking about this morning. You know, we don't want a generation of young people who are being lost to the church. Let me just give you three simple statistics. The first is, is this. 1.1 million children will be lost to the church between 1990 and 2020. 1.1 million. The second fact, most of the religious beliefs, behaviors, and expectations that define a person's life have been developed and embraced by the age of 13. Now, that makes you think as a parent and a grandparent, doesn't it? It's where you prioritize how you train up a child in the things of God. The last thing we want is our children to be almost blaming God because we can't do this, that, and the other. But on the other hand, we want to bring our children up so that the best experience in life is to know God. The greatest experience is to know Jesus as friend and savior. And therefore, as parents and as grandparents and those that are helping in the community of faith, let's together pray that people are able to uh, work through those things so that our children are coming into a great experience of God and we don't lose them. I'm thankful to God that we've got lots of children here and some good teachers that are giving sacrificially of their time, most of them as volunteers. Ladies and gentlemen, across Lincolnshire, I can take you to church after church after church where there are no children today. No children. I can take you to church after church where there's no youth group. We're thankful to God, but folks, there's a world to reach. Our generation of children and youth must not be lost. We must be creating some of the best youth workers and pastors and children's workers so that when people say, when parents say to their kids, do you want to go to Lord's today or the Lord's house? Did you notice that? It was quite clever, wasn't it? And they say, take us to church. Which leads me on to the third statistic, and it's this. Well, comment anyway. How we as parents and grandparents react and respond to church life will make a huge impact upon our children and grandchildren. So if you're bored, if you are you know, talking about what's not happening, it's going to affect your kids, guys. It's going to affect your grandchildren. And I know it's difficult. I know it's tricky. But I want to say we have relatively short times together for the gathered church. Let's, with passion and energy, work through some of these obstacles so that we can be together in the house of the Lord. And ultimately, when you think about the cultures, sport, Jesus. 
visiting, relatives, friends, times away, holidays, all of those are very important in their, in their place. But Jesus is Lord. And to follow Jesus is vitally important. Um, this issue of, um, of the habit to begin to neglect uh, the things of God, um, a man called Sam Storms write this, writes this, and it just seems to make more and more sense as time passes to devote your energy to other things that feel more immediately rewarding. And to top it off, you sit down for lunch with a friend who tells you the same thing has happened to them and you're suddenly, you suddenly feel affirmed. Your neglect is now validated by the fact that you're not the only one. And with the passing of time and the repetition of the same pattern of life over and over and over, you unconsciously find yourself relationally distant from the church and emotionally unfulfilled by it. You might even discover that you regularly justify to yourself such neglect by saying, I'm really okay. I'm not committing adultery. I still believe in God. And I just got a raise at work and my golf handicap has got considerably better. I like the way of being a Christian, the chosen life that I have. And so the context of Hebrews 10 is being well-connected with corporate gatherings and small gatherings. So as I conclude very quickly now, four things from these scriptures. They're so simple, but look into these. Why is this important today? The first thing is this. We attend because God commands us to. We, we attend this gathered church in our context of Sunday because God commands us to. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The writer actually here is quite blunt. It's not a suggestion, not an opinion, but it's a biblical command. This is because God takes seriously our moral, our spiritual, and our emotional health and well-being. Secondly, we attend because we all need accountability. Verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good works. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You see, gathering challenges us. It provokes us. It inspires us to love one another and to live for Jesus. We can begin to be accountable to one another. The word there is consider. Think about it. Be intentional about the connections that we have with with one another. It's not just about what we receive personally, but it is equally about what we can give into the lives of others. So we attend because God commands it. We attend because we all need accountability. Thirdly, we attend because we all need encouragement. Verse 25 says this, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Community of church should be, and I think it has been today, where if you're going through it, somebody to the left, someone to the right, a, shoulder, a hand on your shoulder, somebody saying, I care about this. I want to stand with you in prayer. Uh, we needed a dose of encouragement this morning. You come into the house of God and you really do get it. If your heart's right, you really do get it to encourage one another. Folks, this isn't a Premier League with a little select group that get it. No, we're all in this. This is about an all-in series. This is not a finger-pointing get to more meetings. This is just a heart cry that says there's certain things you've got to make as a priority. Don't cause a drift by unintentional living. Don't create habits that are actually going to work against your future. 
And then the final thing is this. Number four, we attend because we all need hope. We all need hope. We're living in a world of fracture. We're living in a world where politically, who knows what's going to happen on Monday morning. We're living in days when all kinds of confusing elements are out there. And the one thing that is stable is a God who is unshakable and his son Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what you can live your life for. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Unswervingly. If you swerve off to the left, swerve off to the right, get a little bit of um, negative in you and you begin to get a habit. And I'm just here to say, we need you to see this push of the kingdom of God in this city for his glory with all the other churches that are also struggling with the same stuff we are. So God bless you on your journey. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we need to be strengthened in our faith. Worshiping God together, I believe, Lord, should fill us with a sense of expectation and hope. The sacraments strengthen us as we break bread and we share wine together. The worship of the ages take us back to our early roots. We're men and women of faith that tie into the promises over Abraham and his descendants that this good news message has got to fill the earth before the Lord returns. And so my heart prayer, as sincere as I know it, Father, is to pray, let some of the seeds I've shared today, let them be rooted in some good conversations, in some real deliberate um, good attitudes to be able to shape the way that we live, particularly with relationship to Sundays, so that our children on one hand will be free to enjoy life in every aspect, but they will come to a living faith and that they will never hate God because of church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's pray one prayer as we conclude now, which is a prayer we pray every week. If there is anybody in this place, you've not yet started the journey of faith and you've not yet become a follower of Jesus, let's pray this prayer out loud together. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come into the family and to be added to the church. Let's pray this together, shall we? Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let's just bow our heads. Is there anyone in this?